0: G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and it comes to you on your local community radio station. Today we go to some of the issues that rang out during the week of events around International Women's Day. The issue of safety at work and sexual harassment, the respect at work report and the gendered pay gap, women missing out on equal pay for equal work. First up, A little from Jess Hill, investigative reporter and author, who was speaking at a University of Technology Sydney IWD event. Then a close-up and personal experience of sexual harassment and fight back at a workplace with the Not Your Honey campaign. A word from... Sally McManus, Secretary of the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, finishing with a story of a person who pushed back for equality from the past.
1: You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio, and coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network.
0: Jess Hill is an investigative reporter and author of the book See What You Made Me Do, Power, Control and Domestic Abuse. Here is a small part of her conversation with University of Technology Sydney Professor Sabah Bibawi at an international women's event last week. She picks up the issue of the importance of the Respect at Work report for real change in Australian workplaces.
2: You've written that, and I'll quote, it's no coincidence that here and overseas the Me Too landed so powerfully in two fields, entertainment and judiciary. There are two of the most influential parts of our culture. One establishes dominant cultural narratives and the other decides what is socially permissible, end quote. So these are highly visible and high-profile industries and spotlighting them prioritises the experience of privileged women building on what you've just said how can we harness that same energy and scrutiny across all industries and institutions mm. yeah it's a good question um and just, just before i like I, um, as that second part of the question i think um it has it has spotlighted more privileged women um as I point out in the essay, a lot of the women who have been Me Too'd or you know, who have become high profile, actually did not do so with their with any with their consent. Um, so their stories became public actually largely against their consent um, in in various ways where they were outed for political gain. You know, in the um, in the Jeffrey Rush case, for example, because a Newspaper wanted to have a scoop and a front page, didn't want to do the work to actually back it up. Um, So while it has prioritised the experiences of privileged women, those women themselves have um, been extremely disadvantaged by the spotlight that was put on them. Um, And it is actually quite unique about the Australian situation just how few women who were written about in this context did so of their own volition um the other thing i'd just say is that even though it's put the spotlight on the women because of course we need a narrative and we need to hear about the actual people involved i'd say that the actual the focus on these industries wasn't really driven as much by concern for the women um although that's not totally um you know insubstantial but more for the integrity of the institutions they were working for um, and and the influence of them. So in the judiciary particularly, the shock to people who were not already, you know, aware of it, which was apparently most people within the judiciary um, and the judicial profession, that, you know, someone like Dyson Hayden could, could be um, so predatory and known to be so predatory um, was... Largely connected, not to the just to the you know up and coming you know graduates that that he had um, harassed and turned off working in the law, but the fact that somebody in that position could be of that character was a paradigm shift for people um, in entertainment. I mean, it's it's obvious because it's it, these are people that for for a lot of people are. Um, either heroes or, you know, occupy a, a myth making part of the, the of Australian culture, um, and and have and the people who are really having a huge influence on the cultural narratives that we hear or don't hear. You know, so that and not to mention the fact that I mean in the arts and entertainment industry outstrips all other industries by a country mile in terms of the prevalence of sexual harassment, and that's for both men and women. So it's eighty-one and eighty-three percent respectively. Um, I think it's women and men slightly higher for men who have been sexually harassed within the arts and entertainment industry. Like you know, we were very upset by the idea that a third of um, of I think women speaking and uh, working in uh, federal parliament had experienced that, um, and. I would never be. Uh, I would never like <laughs> endorse politicians applying a water battery lens to you know the, a moment of their own accountability. But like the fact is, it's it's a bit rich for the media <laughs> to be sort of saying, "Well, that's terrible, isn't it?" You know, they really need to do something about their workplace. Like you know, our workplace is is the worst. Um, so so that's why those high-profile industries were also spotlighted. Um, but how can we harness that same energy and scrutiny across all industries and institutions? That's what the Respect at Work inquiry did. That's, that's why Respect at Work was so necessary. Um, it was um, supported by Kelly O'Dwyer, a coalition minister who was very invested in, in this type of, um, in seeking progress across all industries, and, um, and obviously Kate Jenkins, who has been, I think, one of the best sex discrimination commissioners we've ever had, um, who has taken this moment and leaped on it, um, ensuring that this does not just become a cultural flashpoint that we refer back to with interest in decades to come, but is a moment when this these reforms got bedded down um, The respect at work inquiry and the way the recommendations, which have to be taken as a whole, cannot be sort of sliced and diced in the way that the government has tried to do, Um, if we just look at that central recommendation, the positive duty for employers to prevent sexual harassment from occurring, what that's saying is to put sexual harassment on the same par as workplace injury in terms of their responsibility to prevent it from happening in the first place. And for so long, you know for decades, the unions had to fight tooth and nail just to get employers to take responsibility for their workers on on site um so that they didn't get electrocuted or you know um an arm cut off by a factory implement you know those sorts of gains were made at a time when there was very little interest in protecting workers' rights they had that that had to be gained through decades of hard work. And what Kate Jenkins is saying is that this should not be, we shouldn't actually be spotlighting women at all. We shouldn't be waiting for victim survivors to have to come forward and complain. You know, we should be pre, like we should be preventing it from happening and here's how we can do it. And I think I read the Respect at Work inquiry cover to cover. It both horrified me and, um, and I am not easily horrified having been knee deep in quite a lot of horror for a long time, but it was a new level of the sorts of things that, are, that people are being subjected to in workplaces across Australia. Um, but the the extent of the recommendations and the application of that whole of systems thinking as to how to change workplaces in Australia is incredibly impressive and does, I think, hold a real key, just like Susan Ryan's incredible pioneering work in getting the Sex Discrimination Act up in the the 1980s, holds such a key to us being able to really see movement on this so that women do not have to be, that that, that no women's experience needs to be held up as the fodder for why we need to change anymore.
0: You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news, and social justice issues.
3: Our next two speakers are Chanel and Claudia, from Honey Burnett. During during the course of their time with Honey Burnett, both Chanel and Claudia have stood up and talked about their experiences of sexual harassment, which we know is a very brave thing to do. So please, would you give them a warm welcome.
1: I'd like to start by acknowledging the true warriors and custodians of the land we are protesting on today. The unwavering resistance of the Wondree and Boonwurrung people. Today we protest a march on these stolen unceded lands and this is and always will be Aboriginal land. We would like to acknowledge additionally our trans sisters, disabled comrades, hardworking sex workers, migrant women, women who have sought safety and freedom across oceans, those living rough and women who are incarcerated. IWD cannot be what it is without the inclusion of all marginalised groups. Our activism would be nothing without their leadership, and we stand in solidarity with all of you. <laughs> I've been invited here today to share with you my own story of resistance. Claudia joins me today as a new rat bag recruitment to the union movement. This is our first video which is free-hand movement. I've told this story now countless, countless times. Yet it continues to be relevant across industries for too many working people. There is no surprise with statistics like one in three people in this country have been sexually harassed in their lifetime, and seventy-two per cent of those occurring in the workplace. Those figures disproportionately are affected by women. In 2016, alongside my dear friend and comrade Tori Wood, who can't be here today, we established the Not Your Honey campaign against retail company Honey Birdette with the immeasurable support and assistance of the Young Workers' Centre. The campaign was established after my two years of employment with Honey Bedette where I experienced deplorable misconduct, emotional and psychological torment from superiors with staff urinating in bottles, bleeding through sanitary items or finding themselves at risk of sexual assault, violation and exploitation out of the fear of being reprimanded. Myself and Claudia included. Honey Bedette insisted that you put yourself in the line of proposition of leering inappropriate behaviour all for a hopeful buck. You were told to allow men to physically touch garments with your guided hand. You were supplied with handbooks and houses sell to men during Christmas periods to use your body as a template and turn any proposition into a sale. In situations of volunteers having reported stalkers or previous attackers finding their location, it was the CEO herself, Eloise Monaghan, who encouraged me to consider them liars and not trust their stories. A company who ironically appropriates the hashtag not asking for it as a marketing tactic couldn't be more outrageously out of touch. It was one of my own many experiences where I was cornered in a store and had a man violate my vulnerability with explicit sexual verbal harassment that when I reported it to my area manager I was told to turn up the music and not let it affect my day. That boys will be boys. Shame! We say a company when a staff member was assaulted in store did not support her through her decisions to press charges have her attend a hearing without any representation from the company for her to later, without any notice, find she no longer had a position of employment. Shame! Tori and I, and now Claudia, took it upon ourselves to make it known that a company that waves a banner of feminism and empowerment was a fraud and directly responsible for serious misconduct. Through varying actions, we visited stores, collected signatures, delivered a six-foot-tall breakup letter and an unforgettable moment of my own in 2016, burnt Honey Burnett bras on the steps of the State Library. Hell yeah! across the country covering our story, the Not Your Honey campaign attracted hundreds of previous staff sharing their identical experiences of unfair dismissal, violation, harassment and assault. With thousands of names of support accumulating every day, now with the pleasure of Claudia as well. With these efforts came 14 inspections across Victoria finding that Honey Bennett were in breach of multiple health and safety laws, including within, sorry, um, in, in laws with infringements to implement the changes that we demanded. We saw this as a tremendous win. Not only did it forcefully have Honey Bidette take our issues seriously as women, but it connected workers with other workers where all true solidarity begins and grows. It created a sense of autonomy, a sense of unconditional self-worth above any dollar. It comes from going through this that I was able to experience what it was like to step up, look directly into the eye of the patriarchy, and say fuck no, no more.
4: It <laughs> is just
1: me honour to stand here today alongside Claudia, who is now taking up her own torch to the same despicable bosses for the very same ongoing battles and unforgivable misconduct that Honey continue to inflict onto their workers. We never should have come this far, six years on, to still be sharing this common ground with Claudia and any other worker facing the same kind of injustice. But we sure as hell will stand here firmly, strongly, side by side, despite all odds, until we see permanent change and justice. It's collective action like the support we received through the campaign, It's the faces I see here today that made the Not Your Honey campaign the success that it was. It's the tools of solidarity that all of us here already hold because we aren't just having to live with the circumstances of this horrifically violent misogynistic world, but because from Parliament, House and Canberra, from the not your honey campaign to where we are standing today we will not be compliant to those who perpetuate and allow this culture of abuse in our workforces because we refuse to accept those circumstances and decisions made for us about us and against us Thank you. let's give them another round of
3: applause yeah
0: You are on Stick Together, workers' stories and union news on your local community radio through the Community Radio Network. We have just been listening to a testimony given by workers at the Honey Burdett Lingerie shop to the International Women's Day Melbourne rally. At the same rally, Sally McManus, Secretary of the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, had this to say.
3: Sally McManus, the Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Union. I will say that I have the privilege of having worked with Sally on the ASU Equal Pay Campaign which delivered wage justice for underpaid, undervalued community sector workers, predominantly women, wage increases of between 23 and 45 percent and it was thanks to great leadership from people like Sally and Lisa Darmanin who are here today. That that happened. So, would you please welcome Sally McManus?
5: I want to acknowledge I'm on more land. Um, and you're looking pretty dapper. <laughs> How about that? So, uh, sisters, comrades, a lot of people like to tell us that we've come a long way, and we're almost near equality. Women are. Nearly near equality. I like telling us that quite often, and you wonder what time frame they're talking about. Like, are we talking about sixty thousand years? Are we talking about a hundred years? But let's be fair. Let's be fair for a moment. Over the last hundred years, and it's not been even for First Nations women or for migrants and for refugees. It's been it's been a different um, uh, a different experience, but. I suppose it is true over the last hundred years. We have got closer to equality. We have. But history's not like a march. Not like the march we're about to go on, down the road, past the Melbourne Club, do believe. (laughs) Back to Trades Hall. Where inevitably we'll we'll leave here and we'll end up at our destination. History only gets us there if we walk there, doesn't it? Or if we keep pushing there. It's not going to happen by itself. And what I want to say is this. is that yes, we've got closer, but we've stalled. We've stalled really badly. The gender pay gap has not moved now, really, for 10 years. Violence against women has not got better over that period of time. Women still retire with less, much less, a million dollars less than men. On every indicator, we have... Stalled. And I'll tell you what, we've had so many inquiries into this, so many over the years. Inquiries, we've had Senate, we've had ex- experts, we've had academics, we've had everyone look at this problem. Why is it that we've stalled? And now we've got reports. In fact, one done by Kate Jen- Jenkins, 55 recommendations of things that need to happen. We've got plenty of other reports that tell us what needs to happen. We know what needs to happen now. We know that it, the problem is actually doing it, actually walking, actually marching the way that we've got to go. And why aren't getting it? Because we've got a major blockage at the moment, don't we? His name is Scott Morrison. Tell me out of ten, if one is you love him and ten is you hate him, what is it? (laughs) He, his ministers, his government are standing in the way of equality, standing in the way of our march. He had that report from Kate Jenkins, Christian Porter had that report, sitting on his desk for a whole year. 18 months, it took all those protests for or even for them to move on it at all, did nothing. And then when it came to implementing it, less than half the recommendations. Yeah. Paid Family and Domestic Violence Leave. Now, even the bosses support it now. Even the bosses of Business Council, everyone supports this now. But will they pass those laws? No, here's the blockage care workers, early childhood workers, Will talked about community sector workers winning equal pay. They deserve equal pay too, they all deserve a big fat pay rise. Why is that not happening? Scott Morrison and his crumb maidens and the rest of his government who are standing in the way and refusing to fund it, again stopping our march to equality. Beginning of the pandemic, they bought in free childcare for a very brief period of time. It shows governments can do it if they want to do it. But what was the first thing for them to stop? Free childcare, took job keeper off early childhood workers, the very first things that they did. Even the bosses and parts of the ruling class in this country are now saying, Bringing in free childcare will be great for productivity, great for the country. Everyone's saying that. Why isn't it happening? Scott Morrison and all of his people. All of these things, and I could go on and on and on, and no one wants me to go on and on. I know about all these failures. Just the point is, is he's a blockage on how much, and we've got to march right over the top of him and his government in another 10 weeks time now I do believe there should be a chance and there is a head here, there is and we've been trying to think about something that's really original but sometimes the oldies are the goodies aren't they alright so we've got a choice of two we'll do both
3: all right, the first one we're gonna do is hey, hey, ho ho, Scott Morrison just has to go. It's simple, you should all be we don't need to practice, we're just gonna go straight into it. Are you ready? I don't feel it. All right.
0: listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories, Union News. We are looking at the issues that were bubbling at the International Working Women's Day rallies. The issue of safety at work and sexual harassment, the respect at work report and the gendered pay gap, women missing out on equal pay for equal work. While I was doing this program, I had the surprising experience of finding in my family history, one of those people who pushed back that Sally McManus was talking about that pushed the road on towards respect and equality at work for women. It made me realise that it is all those people together, not talked about on a news story, but in their everyday work lives that got us further in this fight. You will probably find someone in your history who stood up. This is Betty McLaughlin's story. Elizabeth Betty McLaughlin was the second of five children born in Brisbane in 1920. After leaving school, Betty worked for the public service, having placed 19th in the state out of 700 candidates. This was in 1937. She also joined the Queensland State Service Union of Employees. Betty's fight began when she was knocked back for promotion and appealed the decision. The court hearing in 1965 revealed that the state public service was caught in a woeful anachronism, In the 1930s, the then-government altered public service conditions in such a way that girls could be admitted to the service solely as clerk typists and could not, in a whole lifetime, progress beyond this. Thus, a girl might get an examination pass of 10 As, but a boy coming in a decade later on a pass of 6 Bs could be immediately and always be her superior in line of promotion. Betty's case squashed this arrangement and she was promoted. In fact, she was elected executive of her union in 1978, the first woman to do so. One step at a time along a path full of mines.
3: When women's rights are under attack, what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? (laughs) When women's rights are under attack, what do we do?
0: For Stick Together this week You can catch up with the show At 3cr.org.au Or where you get your favourite podcasts Contact us at Stick Together at 3cr.org.au I'm Annie McLaughlin Join the Stick Together team next week For more workers news And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do There's a union for you And stay safe And stick together I'm